Hey there. Before we start the show, I just want to take a couple minutes and say thanks. About 10 months ago, we set out to create a show about stuff we don't normally talk about. We wanted to get really honest about our bodies, to talk about health, but focus less on studies and statistics and more on the voices and stories behind them. Your voices. And you guys have kind of blown us away. You've called in to tell us your health confessions, stories about when your body betrayed you. One woman even called in with sex tips. What I'm saying is that this community is going strong because of listeners just like you. And this month, we're asking you to support us in a new way. Big reason we're able to be here in the first place is because of individual donations from listeners just like you. So if you like what you're hearing, we're asking you to show your support financially. WNYC Studios is calling this Podcast Appreciation Month. Giving is super easy. Just go online to onlyhuman.org slash donate or text the word human to the number 69866. We'll respond with a little link where you can give in just a few seconds. That website again is onlyhuman.org slash donate. Thank you so much. Now, on with the show. Okay, so I'm going to pull up YouTube here for a second. Uh, okay, if I'm logged in, I'm looking at the first couple videos that pop up here. <laughs> the first, like, 20 are Minecraft tutorials. Hey, guys, it's me! Minecraft, too many structures. Minecraft, how to build an elevator. How to make a portal to the moon in Minecraft. How to get to the moon. This is what happens when you give your eight-year-old your username. Hi, I'm Dominic from AskMeDIY. And then there's this other video on how to change the filter in your boiler. Oil-fired boiler. Which I've watched a bunch of times, actually, and I still can't do. And then there's this like whole other kind of how-to video. Hey, what's up? I'm Rachel Starr. This is it's this woman named Rachel Starr, and it's here because this reporter at NPR, Angus Chen, told me about her. Uh, first thing I want to say is that for those who don't know, I am a paranoid schizophrenic. Um, I've been diagnosed with other things, bipolar, um, schizoaffective disorder, schizoid personality. This video is called Ask a Schizophrenic, um, My Answers. It was uploaded February 9th, 2012. It has 157,000 views. Rachel's basically answering questions about what it's like to live with her disease. So please understand you need to talk to a doctor about all this stuff. I can only tell you from my personal experiences. I'm Mary Harris. This is Only Human. This week's episode is about how you can find people that really get you, and whether being this upfront about your mental health can actually help you cope. Angus Chen is here. When he saw these videos, he thought, I gotta meet this woman. So when I first saw Rachel's videos on YouTube, she really seemed just like anyone else I might see at a skate park. She's usually in a tank top and a baseball hat. Her dark curls tumble down her shoulders. But she does something that's totally unordinary. Hey, what's up? Rachel Starr. Anyway, so last video I talked a little bit about 
um, hallucinations and mainly delusions. So another thing. Not all people with schizophrenia can handle their symptoms like this, and definitely not everyone would post about it on YouTube. On camera, she seems in control. It just makes you wonder: What does it mean to be the schizophrenia star of YouTube? So I went to visit Rachel in the small town where she grew up. It's not too far from Charlotte, North Carolina. It's the kind of place where driving around, you'd pass a few people on horseback, where when people meet you, they might ask what church you go to. Hey. Hey. Need me help? No, I'm thinking good. Rachel's 30, and she's been running this YouTube channel for about a decade. The first videos she posted weren't about schizophrenia. There were these wild, thrill-seeking stunts. There's one of her swinging, flaming nunchucks around her head, and another where she has a friend stick a power drill up her nose. She still makes these crazy stunt videos, and she makes money from them and from a part-time job at a gym. One of her most popular ones is called "Boob Can Crush." You can probably guess what happens in this video. Hey, what's up? I'm Rachel Starr, and let's see how many cans here I can crush with my boob and how fast. She's in a blue tank top and skinny jeans. And she has a bunch of soda cans lined up in a row on what looks like a busted wooden picnic table. She leans down, grabs her right boob, and ready, ready, all right. She's grunting as she crushes cans with her chest. The cans fizz, and soda gushes out as she goes. And at the end, she belly flops on the table. It kind of hurt. <laughs> This video got half a million views. At the time, Rachel was building her YouTube channel as a silly, adventuring jokester who performed wacky stunts on camera. Today, Rachel is very open about her illness and how she sometimes wants to harm herself. She tells complete strangers online whatever they want to know about her disorder. But growing up, Rachel did her best to hide all of this from her family. When she cut herself, she hid it with long sleeves and long pants. The only thing her parents noticed that they thought wasn't standard teen angst. Was rage. Rachel constantly fought with her little brother and had intense tantrums. He would think of anything, you know. Like Rachel, why don't why don't you do this? Like you might be trying to give advice. Like Rachel, why don't you do this? But no, I want to do that. And then if you two you know, started going back and forth, well, Rachel, you really just... thought about that, and that's where she would explode. You know, like that's Janelle and Dean Withers, Rachel's parents. They couldn't understand why this was happening, and they didn't know what to do. She would just. Explode, you know, and just starts kicking something or ripping off something, you know, jump in the car and run off, you know. And I'm just left there thinking that wasn't worth fighting over. I didn't mean for it to go that far, you know. She was getting upset almost every day. I mean, yeah. it was. I, yeah, yeah. I was getting so I'd sneak through the house, you know, which is not a good yeah. way to live. Yeah. I asked Janelle and Dean if they ever thought their daughter needed to see a doctor about that rage. Well, when we would talk to her about going to get help, you know, about seeing, you know, a psychologist, a psychiatrist, or whatever, but it was like, "There's nothing wrong with me. No, that's not what I want." You know, she would argue with you about it, so we just didn't press it. You know, I mean, you can't force sixteen, seventeen-year-old kid, you know, who, you know, <laughs> who's so adamant about it. As a kid, Rachel was also battling hallucinations. Even now, she still hears ticking in rooms with no clocks. When she walks down the street, things can come to life that shouldn't. A storm mannequin will take off its hat and approach her. Yeah, just stuff everywhere. Things in my closet. I'd see my closet door opening and closing. In anything, I could look at like the wall, and suddenly it would become like a, a 
you know, like there'd be a face there making, you know, expressions at me. You never told anybody about this? Um, so there was a few issues when I grew up in the church. Um, so you hear a lot about like angels and demons and, and Satan and all that. And honestly, I just kind of thought that's what I was seeing. Like you hear it in church all the time and Jesus cast out the demons. I just assumed everybody saw them. But she quickly realized that wasn't the case. And as she got to her late teens, she thought more intensely about hurting herself. It was just like, it's this thing that's always there. And if I dwell on it too much, I want to hurt myself. And, yeah, kill myself. Rachel told me she thought a lot about killing herself in a way that echoed one of her hallucinations. Sometimes when she caught her reflection, what looked back at her wasn't really her. Like the eyes were still there, but all the skin was, I guess, peeled off. More like, yeah. Um, I'd see her in store windows, anything like that. Any reflective type thing, I'd just stay away from. Was that terrifying? I mean, it sounds... Oh, yeah, it was horrible. Like, it was... Yeah, I was... Yeah, I mean, it it messed me up. I I was, yeah, very suicidal and couldn't... I mean, there was no escaping something that's in your brain. Like, there is no escaping it. And while I was there, I started the um, cuts to cut my face off. Like, I actually had started them just to kind of calm the hallucination down. Do you think you, you would have done it done that to yourself eventually yeah yeah probably committed suicide somehow and that been involved i i knew i needed to get help like this has gotten out of control there's something seriously wrong with me it wasn't until she was 20 in college that she finally saw doctors that specialized in mental illness psychologists and psychiatrists rachel says it was good to be finally getting help but she was also scared i remember it was scary when i first got told i was a schizo Pretty much, if you looked up stuff, the only things you could find were serial killers, um, just all this like horrible stuff about schizophrenics. And I was like, I don't, I don't want if someone else gets this diagnosed tomorrow for that to be the only thing they see pop up if they Google it. Yeah. It's just scary stuff. I hope that yeah, a real person pops up and knows that hey, this isn't the end of the world. The thing with Rachel is she's pretty fearless. She already had this YouTube channel where she was doing those crazy stunts, so she turned to the only audience she knew. Her followers. I'm a 22-year-old female schizophrenic. This is the first video Rachel makes about her illness. Schizophrenia is a very lonely disease because you're trapped in your own head. And um, it's hard to explain to other people what's going on. I'm making this because I don't want you to feel alone. So in 2008, when you were like afraid for people to know um, about your diagnosis... It must have been so hard to make that video and hit that upload button. And I remember uh, um, telling my counselor, and he, he was like, are you sure you want to do this? And I was like, yeah, yeah, you know, I make other videos, why not? Um, but really being, like, terrified, and I think he was worried, you know, the response, too. And, um, like, yeah, you're just scared. What are people going to say? How are people going to react? Um, and my parents, too, really didn't want me putting stuff out there. My mom used to worry all the time. You know, why put it out there for the world to come back at you or to start treating you differently? Yeah, or jobs. I was thinking if you could put it on there, what, what, you know, they look you up and they see this and be like, well, I don't know. You know, schizophrenic. I don't know. She may go nuts here, you know. And Rachel worried too. Even in those early days of YouTube, the internet trolls could be really cruel.
I'm Mary Harris. This is Only Human. When we come back, we'll find out what happens when you put your illness out there on the internet for the whole world to see. Last week, our reporter Amanda Aronchik talked to Giselle, an outspoken medical student struggling with anxiety and depression. A lot of you related to her story of trying to get through school while dealing with mental health issues. A woman who goes by the nickname Lumi said her childhood trauma and depression meant it took her 10 years to get her bachelor's degree. I had such a hard time staying in classes and being able to complete anything. I never thought I would actually get a bachelor's, even though I knew that I would be perfectly capable of doing it. After that, she tried to get a doctorate in audiology, but her mental health kind of derailed her plans. You know, this stuff came back to bite me in the butt. I ended up dropping out of the doctoral program after two years, but I was lucky enough that because I had completed two years, they awarded me a master's. Lumi said she found Giselle's story really inspiring. You know, hopefully at some point I can, you know, not be afraid and be more open and say, hey, this is something I struggle with and, you know, to be okay with it. But I'm still not, I still don't feel like I'm quite at that point yet. (laughs) Some of you said having more doctors like Giselle could make medicine more empathetic. I guess my first reaction was yes, 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 we need someone like that. We need doctors like that. Christy Brown lives in Houston, Texas, and she suffers from anxiety. So does her 11-year-old son. He is currently being diagnosed with Asperger's as well. And it's been a long battle to get him the, the treatment and the help that he needs. And I think that someone who has anxiety or depression can understand that better than people who are on the outside looking in. Thank you guys so much for continuing this conversation. You can find us anytime at Only Human Podcast on Facebook. In some ways, that first video was Rachel's greatest stunt of all. And back then, the idea of doing something like this was really rare. Rachel expected to be attacked by internet trolls. But then the emails started rolling in. And they came from people like Don, a dad in Portland. I saw that and I said, wow, that is so much like my family and my daughter and our experience. Don's daughter, Tracy, has schizophrenia. Can you tell me like what it felt like when you first saw that video and you were thinking these things where you would like oh i was in tears yeah now you could get a window into the mind of a person you know a young woman who who was going through this and she was very descriptive about what was happening in her and my daughter was not and that helped me understand what I was seeing on the outside of my daughter. Don eventually asked his daughter to watch them with him. And Rachel kept posting videos. A lot of them were practical answers to emails and comments that she got from her viewers. Like, how have you dealt with your hallucinations? The biggest help to me with my hallucinations has always been my dog. 
I love and some people will be like Rachel that's crazy because whenever I get scared or I see stuff a lot of the times if she doesn't react to it obviously not really there so I would suggest I know it's hard to go out and get a dog I just the past three or four years I've had Twinkle amazing difference in me and she's the best little best little friend ever a lot of them are like this, where she talks about really difficult symptoms, like depersonalization, when you feel disconnected from yourself and reality. It's like driving a car, except you're the car. So like when I drive a car, I'm completely in control of it. Um, at no point do I think, whoa, I'm this car, right? Like, like when you drive. So I think depersonalization is a lot like that. It's like you're in control of this body, but I don't know, you, there's still this disconnection from it. Uh, mine comes and goes. I think I always feel, I always feel disconnected. When Julia, a 22-year-old schizophrenic in Peoria, Illinois, saw this video, she didn't know what depersonalization was. Sometimes I would just click through all her videos and uh, I would find a video on something I had no idea about and I would just learn everything I could about it. And then I would get that symptom. I don't know if there's any direct correlation, but it was like it prepared me in a way. So when it did happen to me, I was like, okay, this is just depersonalization. I just need to calm down and write it out and I'll be fine. Rachel often hears from people like Don and Julia who say the videos really helped them. And it was interesting how many people started reaching out to me saying, oh my gosh, I had the exact same thing happen. Oh my gosh, you know. Yes, this is this is what I think I have too. What should I do? It's, it's it's interesting because that's like exactly what you never had when you started to deal with everything. Yeah, um yeah, pretty much and and I think in I still always like felt a loneliness, you know, up until that point and it really like kind of helped that go away and be like, "Oh my god, there's so many people." And that's when they asked about the internet, obviously, is it connects all these people <laughs> and you're just like, "Wow, I have all these people who yeah, are going through the exact same thing. Who grew up seeing faces? Who grew up hearing voices? Who have these thoughts that they don't know why they have them? And yeah, it just definitely made me me feel not so alone. One online friend Rachel made by posting these videos is Jacqueline Phillips Sable, a psychologist in Erie, Pennsylvania. Sometimes she says she shows videos like this to her patients. And as a professional, I am the better person to help them to deal with certain aspects of it. I'm the better person to diagnose them. I'm the better person to um, advise them as far as medications and uh, emergency type situations and things like that. But I can't, you know, uh, you know, be inside of their skin and explain to them, you know, or relate to them on how it feels to experience symptoms the way that Rachel can. For a lot of us, building this online community of people all facing the same struggles might be enough to feel better. But for Rachel and people like her, it isn't enough. She still has some awful, dark days that she doesn't film, and she doesn't talk much about online. It's the episodes of depersonalization, when she gets detached from reality. And she told me about one of these moments. I was um, just really sick and I got stuck somewhere. So, And when I get off, I know it. So I don't drive or anything. I pretty much like sit bunker down. But I bunkered down at um, in this parking lot. And I was able to call my mom and be like, look, um, you probably want to come get me. I'm just sitting in a parking lot. Are you, are you afraid that, they're, that after people see you this way, they 
start to see you differently? Um, it, it freaks, I think it freaks a lot of people out. Rachel says she doesn't know how to regain control when she loses touch with reality. It happens a few times a month. These episodes are part of why Rachel will probably never live alone. She's afraid she'll get stuck in this detached state of mind and will need to check into a psych facility. She's been saving money in case that happens. Um, but then, you know, you think about, will she ever get married? Who will take care of her when we're gone? This is Rachel's um, mom, Janelle, again. I mean, you know, you, you worry about those things. because So many times if people don't get the right help, they end up on the streets as homeless people. And I had thought about that. And, um, and I think about who will, you know, about her marrying and, you know, I want, I want her to be happy. And it's really sad when your daughter worries about herself that she has a savings account that she keeps money in in case she ever has an episode and has to be put into the emergency room. And she doesn't want to feel like it has to be money out of our pocket. But Rachel looks at things a little differently. I guess for me now, this is just, uh, I know a much better situation because um, even when I did live alone, I, I wasn't, like I told you, I, I downward spiraled. I wasn't happy. So in my, like, make-believe world, oh, yeah, everything's fun. And um, But no, in real life, it wasn't. The few times, yeah, that I, I have lived alone, like, that's kind of happened each time. For the most part, other than being embarrassed to tell some people, like, oh, yeah, I still live with my parents. Super cool. Um, other than, like, that little bit of embarrassment, like, when people find out, like, it really doesn't bother me now. Because it's, I'm, I feel like I'm in a good place. The only thing her parents can't do for her is really understand what it's like to live with schizophrenia. But if she ever needs to talk, she has the internet and thousands of subscribers who know exactly what she means. That was Angus Chen. This was the third part of our series on mental health in collaboration with NPR. If you haven't already, subscribe to this podcast so you can hear them all. Find us on iTunes or at OnlyHuman.org. Only Human is a production of WNYC Studios. Our team includes Elaine Chen, Paige Cowett, Jillian Weinberger, Julia Longoria, Kenny Malone, Amanda Aronchik, Fred Mogul, Ankita Rao, and Lisa Rappaport. Our technical director is Michael Rayfield. Our executive producer is Lital Malad. Jim Schachter is the vice president for news at WNYC. I'm Mary Harris. Talk to you next week. Support for WNYC's health coverage and Only Human is provided by the Torina Endowment Fund, Jane and Gerald Catcher, the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, the Simons Foundation, the Alfred P. Sloan Foundation, and the Winston Foundation.